when people ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer is so cliche, but my answer is always like, I just want to be happy. So I was thinking, how does one truly become happy? That's exactly one of the questions that I try to answer on today's show alongside my friend Ashley. That and we dive into working at a big tech company, our fears, and even the occasional kidnapping. I hope you enjoy the show. Make sure to share it and please let me know what you think by leaving a review after. All right, let's jump right in. Hey there, Ashley. Hi, Priscilla. Hi. Yeah, so for anyone who um, is unfamiliar, uh, this is Ashley Grady, a good friend of mine. We've gone to high school together. um, So I've known you for what now? Almost 10 years. I think a little bit over 10 years. Yeah, a little bit more than 10 years, probably. Yeah. So I guess I just wanted to have you, you know, talk today kind of about your story. Um, But before we get into any specifics, do you want to introduce yourself even more? Talk about what you do now, where you're at, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Ashley Natalia Grady. I was born in Tampa, Florida. I am 24 years old. I am of Jamaican descent. So I'm first generation Jamaican living in the United States. I graduated class of 2017 from Georgetown University. And after working slash going to Georgetown, I worked for Yelp. And I quit my job uh, a little bit before a year was up. And I moved to New York. And right now I am nannying for family members. All right. So I would say, like, you know, for me personally, I couldn't imagine one being in school more than four years. I know you transferred. Is that correct? Correct. I started off at Florida State. And I, to be quite honest, I was on a mountain in um, Tennessee on a fraternity retreat. And I kind of looked around at everyone who was with me and what they were doing. And I was like, I don't really think this is for me. I don't think I really want to be here. And I went up to the room we were staying in. I wrote my Georgetown application on the day that it was due, about two hours before it was due, didn't proofread it or anything, and I sent it in. And a few months later, I got my acceptance. And without ever having visited the school, I decided Georgetown is for me. And I'm so happy I did because Georgetown is my heart and soul. It is everything that is me. Yeah. For those who are listening, I actually went to visit you. And while I guess you weren't even really there, I visited your friends, just talking with them and, and just seeing them there. And like seeing Georgetown, the campus, all that, it seems like a really cool school, uh, like a, a really good, safe place to be. I know for me, like at Penn, like I didn't necessarily feel that at all times. I mean, I found my own place. So that's really interesting. Do you feel like, mm-hmm. was it the school itself or was it the people that you found at that school? You know, it was not only the school, but it was also the people. Georgetown challenged me in ways that I didn't even know I needed to be challenged. And it really made me think. And I met such interesting people, such amazing, well-traveled, well-cultured people. And it changed me as a person. And so going to Georgetown, obviously with transferring, you lose credits and whatnot. 
So, I mean, how was that experience? Because I'm sure you knew before you transferred that like, oh, this might tack on a couple years or a couple semesters onto my graduation time. Did that like have an mm-hmm. effect on like how you saw that? Because I, I know for me, at least, um, there was a couple times where I thought maybe I wasn't going to graduate on time or whatnot. And that was really stressful for me. It definitely sucked. Like, I realized that Georgetown wasn't going to approve some of the credits that I had already taken at FSU. So I ended up having to do two extra semesters. Some of that was my fault because I changed my major sort of towards the end. But at the end of the day, I got the degree I wanted. I got the experience I wanted. And even though it's $64,000 a year, I got the college everything that I wanted and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. I have the best friends from school. I have the best experiences. I have had some truly amazing times like Bill Clinton and I, we party at the same bar. (laughs) I love Georgetown. So I guess try and fast forward, you graduate Georgetown and then you land this job in California at Yelp, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So not only have you now relocated from Tampa up to D.C., which I'm sure was kind of a culture shock, correct me if I'm wrong, you lived most of your life in Tampa, right? Yeah, yeah. After, I think, like my third week of Georgetown, I cried, I cried, I cried. I was like, what am I doing here? I'm so confused. Um, But it definitely was a little bit of a culture shock and it was so cold. And I was like, why is it cold out here? Where is the sun? But I turned it around and I just ended up loving school. But the transition to California was definitely a little bit more different than the transition to DC just because it was so far away. It was on a different coast and I had no family over on the West Coast. I had no friends on the West Coast. So that was really interesting. I had to pull out like happy social bubbly ash and try to make friends, which I did. I made some incredible friends who are still such good friends to this day, even though they all live across the world now. But working at Yelp was certainly interesting. Really? How how so? Was it because of the culture of Yelp or like what Yelp's a publicly traded company, you know, in mm-hmm. or around Silicon Valley? Like I'm sure that has its own culture because I've never really talked to anyone actually who works in Yelp or seen even articles about compared to like what Amazon or the, you know, the the Googles of the world where like every other week there's like a piece about like what it's like to work at this Fortune 500 company and it's like awesome. And then you find out from that person, like all that's live. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I actually applied to Yelp was because I went to Sweden uh, just to kind of find myself, you know, some eat, pray, love bullshit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like I just went over to Sweden for a week or two just to explore. Oh, wow. And I didn't know where anything was in Sweden. So I ended up using Yelp and it was a really great experience. It showed me so many wonderful things that otherwise I wouldn't have known about. And when I got back to the United States, I had a couple of job offers for full-time jobs 
but I applied to Yelp and I got the job within a few weeks and I decided I love this company. I love what they did for me in Sweden and how it made my vacation so much better. And this is what I want to do. And to be quite honest, as a lot of people will say, like if you read the Glassdoor reviews, Yelp is kind of like undergrad part two. Obviously, like a lot of tech companies, we have unlimited kegs in the office. Like we have food, we have baristas. Like I can order, I can order coffee from my desk. You can just order whatever you want. There's, you know, unlimited guac, like <laughs> everything. <laughs> and that was really nice. They also give you benefits like they encourage you to go get things like massages and facials things that are good for your well-being they they will pay for that but for me I certainly need a kind of separation between my work and life and at Yelp they kind of combine those things like it becomes a situation where your friends from work are your friends outside of work. You drink with your friends at work. They encourage you to drink with your bosses. They, they will pay for you to go get sushis and, you know, get drunk with everyone because they want you to feel part of the culture. And that wasn't necessarily for me. I really like having a clear divide between my corporate life and my life life. Yeah. Because you see, here's a, there's a thing, like I suffer from dumb bitch disease and <laughs> I can't necessarily like be who I am at work, who I am at home. Before you go on, <laughs> I'm going to need you to define dumb bitch disease because I haven't heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to make sure. Dumb- <laughs> You see, dumb bitch disease is where you, you know, you're just dumb bitch. (laughs) You do whatever the hell you want. You say whatever the hell you want. You drink as much as whatever you want. And, you know, if that means sometimes dancing on a table, if that sometimes means, I don't know, playing the knife game at a bar. I can only do that in a non-corporate setting. Ah, So I need there to be a clear separation between work and play because I cannot play where I work. Okay. I get, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. I have the same experience at my job where it's fairly nice. Where like what I do on the weekend, like, like I might, I don't know, like I wouldn't say I'm with actually still a car, but like something like that would happen where like some crazy stuff would happen. And it's not like, I don't have to worry about like all the people I work with knowing that happened. Exactly. Like I remember the first time I went out with people from my job and I was you know, I was living my best life. I had a few drinks in me. I was about to buy some street food and the street food driver invited me like back to his van to get like quote unquote special street food. And I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. And I was quasi kidnapped by some street food vendors. And on Monday at work, people were like, blah, 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 blah. What the hell happened to you? We thought you died. 
And I just don't need that at work. I don't need that kind of questioning. I just need to sit down, do my job, make some money, get that bread and secure that bag. <laughs> like I, <laughs> well, I don't need to be questioned about what I do when I'm out partying. So that's really interesting though. Cause like the corporate culture kind of shifting where it's like, Oh, we want to be trendy. We want millennials to work here. So like, like mm-hmm. we want them to like want to work and stay and like play here. Um, do you think it's like, that's what's going on? Or do you think it's more, because I can almost argue that it's like a little bit more sinister than that. I think it's extremely sinister. They want you, they want to blend your work life and your home life, like your outside of work life, so that you don't want to leave. And I mean, never leave. And there would be days where they would want us to stay, you know, past 5 p.m. till like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. And obviously, we're all salaried workers and the the pressure to stay has a lot to do with the culture of the place we stayed because our friends were staying and we also wanted to look good in front of our friends and our bosses and our bosses kind of like our supervisors were our friends as well and we wanted to make them look good as well as ourselves look good it's a little sinister but it also makes sense because some of the time when you're stay, you're staying with your friends, your really good friends who also just happen to work with you. But at the end of the day, they're doing that to make more money for the company. Wow. I can't say that I've seen that, I guess, in my current role or anything like that. But um, I was working at a place where um, – it kind of was very similar where like the corporate culture was like, you have to hang out with your coworkers. Like, Oh, you're not hanging out with all your coworkers. Like we're going to the game or we're going to go. I would feel bad when I didn't want to go out to dinner for the Yelp sanctioned dinner drinks party that they would have for us. Like I I legitimately felt bad that I didn't want to go. I wanted to hang out with other friends because Yelp was paying for it. All of my, everyone on my team was going to be there and they're paying for us to truly just get drunk and hang out and bond. Do you think that in your next role or whatever you do, would you see yourself getting sucked back into that? Are you saying like, no, like, you know what, I'm taking the time for me to, to balance my life out, to hang out with who I want to hang out and be more intentional about that? Where do you fall in that spectrum? Well, you know, I think being 24 is just hilarious because, you know, what, what the hell am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go get a job? Am I supposed to go back to school? Should I start a mess habit? Like, should I shoot <laughs> heroin? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, no one's telling me what to do. But um, at this point with me, I think that I want to – kind of go back out there, get a corporate job for about a year. And then I want to go back to professional school because as I'm sure you know, I had a lot of difficulties in California. I was grieving the death of someone close to me. And that has led me to want to work in the mental health field. And I truly at this point want to go to medical school. 
and become a psychiatrist. Yeah, that's respectable. As a as a psych major, I feel that. Um, you feel that? I, okay. <laughs> I feel I feel that life at the same time. I don't know. I feel it many times at odds with you know going and securing the bag, kind of, and like <laughs> not and just doing something that's like trying to help people or trying to live out my passion. Um, mm-hmm. which, uh, I could, it changes every three months anyway, but, but you know, I, <laughs> you get to a point where you're like, okay, like I can make a bunch of money, like working for this tech company and, mm-hmm. you know, or like I can actually try and make a difference in other people's lives. And like some people might say that it's not, you know, necessarily mutually exclusive, but it kind of is. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but like, there's not many companies where, oh, like these people are like truly making a difference with everything they're doing. Or, you know, you go to other companies, oh man, like I'll make, I'll make so much money if I work here. And like, maybe I'll feel like I made a difference, but you might not live out that passion like that. So Yeah. I think you need to figure out your own values, your personal values, like what, what really keeps you going and what makes it okay for you to go to work every day. And for me, I've learned that I need to feel as though I'm contributing to the greater good in society. But I also, like at the same time, I need to make enough money that I'm comfortable. That's fair. Do you have a number in mind that you're like, okay, I need this amount? Because like for me, I've been listening to a couple people and and podcasts and reading books. And some people are like, oh, if you're having these thoughts already, like you should have three years ago outlined what is comfortable for you. Because kind of what they talk about too is like you get to a certain point where you might reach that point and you might just keep going because you're not being intentional about how you're living your life. And so you might live outside your means and you get mm-hmm. to there and then it kind of just extends that whole rat race again. As you mentioned, like intentionality is so, so important. And I also mentioned earlier, like I suffer from dumb bitch disease. And so while I am very intentional in the creation of my own story, like I have a 10 year plan and this 10 year plan has been in the works for at least a year. I slip up in a lot of ways financially. It's more about like if you can't keep the promises you make to yourself, how can you expect anyone else to keep up with those promises? I'm not sure if that makes a lot of sense, but I kind of know where I want to be financially and how I want to live financially. And that's not, I don't want to be super rich, but I certainly know that I don't want to be struggling for anything. When people ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer is so cliche, but my answer is always like, I just want to be happy. (laughs) I want to be happy. Like I could be making eight million dollars a year but working 90 hours a week and so unhappy or I could be working 40 hours a week and 
making $200,000 a year and happy and have time to spend with kids if I ever have kids. If I can trick some boy into marrying me and having children with me, like I can spend time with the children we make, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I, um, I definitely agree. I think to your point of, you know, keeping your own promises, actually, there's a book that kind of just came out and that's been hitting the, sh- hitting the shelves hard. I don't even know if that's a phrase, but. Um, <laughs> it's been hitting it really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but so James Clear, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, he released a book, Atomic Habits. And so like in there, he talks about not thinking about like your habits as just actions that you have to keep up with. But he truly talks about every action that you do is a vote for your identity that you're creating. And so are you voting for the person you're trying to be? And so like maybe not habits, but like with your values, I think it, it definitely applies where it's, is this, am I living up to the values that I've set up in my life? Um, I will say I'm not in any shape or form doing that 100% every day, but there's things that I definitely ask myself. I'm curious though, uh, for you, are there certain things that you have set up in your life that help you, I don't know, stay A, happy, like you just said, B, healthy, or C, kind of keep you level on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm kind of in a weird transitional place in my life, but there are things that keep me healthy, happy, balanced. And one of those things is reading, uh, looking up inspirational quotes, writing those down, giving myself affirmations, as well as I have a journal. And it's a journal that's specifically geared towards building habits, tracking habits, and creating a schedule day-to-day that has helped me quite a bit. But number one thing that is helping me stay sane is forgiving myself. Just trying to realize, like, I really am only human, and I do have to forgive myself. I, I can't be perfect this idealized person I have in my mind of myself that is totally crazy. And that is not the insane, fun, wild ash that everyone knows. And nobody wants any me to be that person, even though I want me to be that totally put together person. I just need to forgive myself for the mistakes I make and learn from them. That's deep. I think that's something that I can say I personally don't do enough. So that's, that's really cool to hear. Are you just saying in the mirror, like saying like, you know what, I forgive you. Or is it more like you're writing it down or is it just you're thinking in your head, hey, okay, I might have messed up on this, but I got to let it go. How does that look for you? For me, it's a lot of reading quotes again and again, and kind of internalizing them. So one quote that I have really resonated with lately is, I'm not really sure who said it, but it's someone once told me that if you stress too much about something before it happens, you basically put yourself through it twice. 
and that's not fair. Whoa. And so I'm just trying to really understand that at the end of the day, we live on a floating rock that circles a big ball of fire and we do really weird things like we wear little clothes under our big clothes and we drive cars and we eat food that ruins the world around us. And if we ever had to explain that to an alien, they'd be like, what the fuck? So, you know, take life as it is and try your best to be happy and forgive yourself along the way. Cause we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. That's really cool. I, uh, I don't know who said the quote either, but if I put on like show notes here, I'll just like George Washington or something like that. Just, <laughs> just someone random. Like Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said it. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, I think that's really inspirational because like there's so many things that we do. Like you said, there's no real basis or explanation for it. It's just, it's a, a figment of, of trying to survive kind of at this point it's just a part of society and so nothing we do mm-hmm. makes sense anyway so it's, it's like you know when you were a little kid and you would sit against a tree stump or whatever and look at the stars and kind of wonder like why am I here how am I here what's the point of me being here I've kind of co-opted that thinking into who I am now because the things we say and the things we do a lot of it is socially like it's it's put into us and so I don't necessarily need to feel bad about making a mistake if it was an honest genuine mistake but I do need to feel bad about not forgiving myself and realizing that I'm truly just like a carbon-based being that needs that needs forgiveness, that needs to realize that I'm not perfect. Wow, I've gotten really philosophical here. What <laughs> no. the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> no, cool. I'm not even high. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely someone's going to be listening out there like, true man, true, just like him. <laughs> My motto at this moment and for a while has just been have courage and be kind that's from the movie cinderella the live action one that came out a few years ago just have courage and be kind (laughs) yeah that's way more i guess more classy than my motto which is none um (laughs) i don't know i've never been one to like have mottos i i guess now i haven't been one in high school Oh man, high school and college, I used to have a couple and I'm, I'm forgetting them now, but it was just like, it was basically the equivalent of like YOLO, where it's just like, oh, you only, you know, you do college once, like, it's supposed to be the best years of your life. I'm like, that, no way. Mine was something stupid, like, you're only as strong as the tables you dance on, some <laughs> stupid shit like that. Yeah. No. <laughs> a few years out of college gives you all the perspective in the world all um, the motherfucking perspective yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh it's it's funny thinking about it i guess for you like what kind of keeps you up at night then is it that i guess it's 
you know, what I'm getting at is kind of like, what are your fears maybe in life? Because I know that I know for me, there's all this stuff besides, I don't know, making mistakes and whatnot. Like I'm like, all right, I got to make sure I pay my rent. I got to make sure I see my mom every now and then. And then after Oh, that, I love I'm, your mom. <laughs> thank you. Tell her I say hi. I, I will. But um, I would love to hear kind of what's keeping you up at night where kind of things that you ponder are like you fear. Because I think looking at what people think about a lot and what people fear can be kind of helpful to see into. Yeah. So, I mean, what I really fear if I'm going to get down to it, really down to it, is I fear disappointing my parents. I fear that my dad, who is 80, who lived in segregation till he was in his 30s, like, you know, different schools for white and black students. He graduated from Howard. That all of the struggle he went through for me, for the next generation, it it wasn't worth it because I haven't done enough with myself and with my life so that that's my biggest fear and I fear that he won't see my accomplishments before he passes that's pretty pretty deep I it's interesting from a a race component uh, or just like culturally when you think about like I've had family members that have been successful and other family members have been drastically not successful. Um, and so mm-hmm. uh, we're recording this in December. So like Thanksgiving was interesting because just like we were talking about someone who recently got in trouble with the law and stuff like that. It was almost on one side, it was kind of like expected, but like when I thought about it even more, it's like, wow, like, for almost every male in my family, the law enforcement has touched, you know, at least in some aspect or some way, every single male individual, like 90% of them. And that's crazy because like, I'm, would I be thinking about this as someone who's not black in male? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and so it's just like, for me, it's not necessarily like for my family that I'm like, oh, like I want to have them see that success. But for me, it's just that added pressure of like, because no one expects anything from my, I don't know if I'm like describing that in a way, but I said all that to say, I kind of agree with you, but it's like a different kind of drive. Are you more concerned with like the whole community versus like individual approval? Yeah, I think so. Uh, sorry. <laughs> if you hear anything, uh, that's because I'm plugging in my laptop because I totally forgot to do that before. Um, but, <laughs> so yeah, edit that out. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll keep it in there. So, but um, <laughs> so I think especially for people of color, right? I think mm-hmm. is besides this like family legacy at times. Uh, uphold to make your parents proud with anyone there's going to be that but i think for people of color 
might be a generalization, but I think there's always some kind of context of, oh, like you're you're not just doing this for your family, you're doing this for like every single Yeah, exactly. You're not just doing it for yourself, your family. You're doing it for the community. Yeah. And it's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. Do you think that has influenced any of your decisions? I guess maybe not your decisions, but necessarily does that stress you out sometimes when you're like making decisions rather? Yeah, absolutely. When I first started college, I was out of my mind. I was living in a little bubble. I was a dirty tree hugging hippie nudist. Like I was doing all of that. And at some point it it got to me that the things that I'm doing might have some sort of effect on my own community, people that look like me in the future. And I need to, you know, consider that, consider that my children or my children's children might be affected by the things that I do now. And even in when we are talking right now, I, I contemplate whether or not I should say cuss words because I don't want people to associate me, associate Black people with derogatory words. But I also, at the same time, want people to realize, like, I am my own individual. I am who I am. And it's a weird balance because I think the world sees me most likely as a subset of Black people, whereas I might see myself as an individual. And it is conflicting and it tears me in two ways. It's like tug of rope. Like, I want to be my own person, but I don't want to bring down the Black community left, right, up, down. I wholeheartedly agree. That's very spot on. I think even now, yeah, like you said, like even now there's ways that I have to like contemplate like, okay, how do I say this? Or like even, oh man, I just go into the grocery store. I have to think about what I put on sometimes given the context of where I'm going. I'm getting to a point where mostly I don't care, but you know, every now and then um, I'm just like, oh man, I can't wear this hoodie. Like I don't want to seem, I don't want to seem like bummy or anything like that. You know, and it's just yeah. like, and it's like subconsciously it gets to you. It's like that John Wooden quote, like be more concerned with your character than your reputation. But right. what if your, what if your reputation has an impact on everyone around you who looks like you? Where, where do we go from there? Because, yeah, I can be more concerned with my character than my reputation, but at the end of the day, my reputation might have a lasting impact on everyone around me. Yeah. It's, it's something I'm definitely grappling with, and I don't, I don't have the answer to that. Please let me know. <laughs> yeah, let me know too. I don't, you figure it out before me. Just hit me up. Send me a text. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely an interesting. Uh, oh no, wrinkle is probably the wrong word, but I'm gonna go with that for lack of any better terms. 
you know, why I think of my life personally and like those people who look like me or, you know, who are in similar situations where they're like, you know, whether regardless of, I guess, what kind of, you know, affiliations uh, people have, like when you have to go around your daily life thinking about the choices you make in a concerted effort to not offend someone or to not, I guess, be othered. Um, that's a really interesting mm-hmm. way to live. I guess on the, the flip side of that, though, I think you can agree or disagree with me, but Ashley, you are someone who I think you know lives in the moment. Uh, you can agree or disagree, um, but even now, you said earlier, kind of dancing on tables or playing a knife game uh, at the bar. Um, <laughs> do, do you think that's something that's like you something you actively try to do or is that more of just your character and just like something that's innate to who you are as a person? I think that's just who I am. Unfortunately, it's something that makes me very much so like my father living in the moment, like going place to place and making that my home. I just, I try to, you know, not become the purple, the people or the place, the thing. I just try to not become the thing that hurt me. I try to stay true to myself. And right now and for a while, that has been having courage and being kind. Not to be so philosophical, philosophical bullshit, but yeah, like having courage and being kind. And I am, a, I, I admit, I am a little crazy. I can be a little wild, but I try to separate that from my work life. And I try to keep it to a point where I am happy. I'm not affecting anyone negatively and I'm still true to myself. I think that's all very interesting. Well, one that you see that in your dad, cause I've definitely done a lot of stuff that people are like, man, like, do you live a really wild life? Crazy stuff has happened to me, like crazy, good, crazy, bad. So that's really interesting that you kind of say that where you're like, you see yourself as living true to yourself. Some people may show concern sometimes, but I think, you know, what you're doing in your life, if you aren't harming anyone, if you are staying true to yourself, if you're not, I guess, even, you know, putting yourself in true danger, I think that's the way to live. But that's my struggle. My struggle is like, I want to be so true to myself. I want to be the nudist, running around southern Georgia in the woods, but I also want to be the the diplomat, the the person who is the quintessential Georgetown graduate who goes on to work for the White House, which is what I was going to do after graduation, but that's a different story for a different time. Like clearly that didn't work out because a different president ended up being in the White House than I thought would be. So I didn't end up working for the White House, but, um, you know, I, I, I want to be both and it's, 
it's conflicting, but it's beautiful in a way. It's beautiful in that you never know what's going to happen next. And that's kind of how you live in the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I guess, unless you had anything to add, any last words of not Zen, because uh, I hate that. I, I've listened to a couple other podcasts and I hate when they're like, oh, last words of Zen. It's like, well, speaking in general. Oh, uh, shit. You hate my Zen words? No, 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 no. I, I just, uh, I don't know. Well, fuck I, you, Vassell. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I don't know. I think, but like a podcast can't be Zen. Like you're, you're talking. It can't be Zen? Shit, I, I don't but think I'm so, like such no... a Zen person. You know, I'm a dirty vegan hippie. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you could be Zen, but like this process can't be Zen. It's chaotic. It's, you know, like I'm talking to. Yeah, me. it's insane. It's no one knows what we're doing, but I think we all pretend we know what we're doing. And you look at everyone else and they seem like they know what they're doing. And so you're like, shit, I also need to seem like I know what I'm doing. And at the end of the day, we're all just effing, like feeling around in the dark. We don't know what we're doing. None of us, even adults, we're just confused. Yeah, I don't consider myself an adult yet. I guess that's going to change next week. So. You know, it is next week. What's happening next week that you're well, going to be an adult? According to some doctors, I've been, I will have been on the earth for about 25 years. Uh, wow. So, you're so old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Turn 20. According to then, some doctors. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Some other doctors might work on a different calendar, but it will be my birthday. So that, that should be fun. But yeah, I don't know. I was just going to say, I think that, yeah, we don't know what's going on. So Yeah, I, I mean, for me, like, no matter how long you've traveled in the wrong direction on this earth, you can always turn around. So I'm learning every day to allow the space between, like, where I am and where I want to be to inspire me and not totally terrify me. So let's just fuck this shit up and do what we got to do. Yeah, definitely. How's yeah. that for philosophical? I mean, that bitch. was that was pretty philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my head hurts after that. <laughs> but no. yeah, and I'm not even high. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I should probably let you go, but thank you for chatting. So I really thank do you for it. having me, Bazzy. You know, it's we have come a long way from seventh grade where you used to carry my laptop <laughs> around school. So, you know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Until next time, uh, it's been fun. Thank you, Ashley. And that's the show. Stay tuned for more as I hope to have so many more interesting guests share their stories on how they live their best life and not necessarily the good life. Until next time, live, laugh, and learn. Oh man, I muted myself and then... uh
unmute it myself and uh yeah <laughs> um get it together Michelle. yeah i'm really messing up